ideas are everywhere. Welcome to Lessons Learned in Marketing, the Phoenix Group Podcast. I'm your host, David Bellarive. You've probably, like me, heard a lot of talk about artificial intelligence, and we even had a talk with Dennis Mortensen last year. Today, we're talking to Andy Morrow from Automat. Automat is a firm out of Montreal, and they're making great strides in conversational marketing using artificial intelligence. Just Google up the L'Oreal app that they had built. And I'm super excited to be able to talk to Andy and learn more about what they're doing and what's happening in this space. Enjoy the conversation. Andy, can we start? Maybe you just tell me a little bit about yourself and Automat. Sure. Um, Nice to have this conversation uh, with a sort of fellow prairie guy, like I said. Um, the, so a little bit about myself and a little bit about Automat. Um, yeah, myself, I've been working in the conversational software space. So this is computers you talk to for, oh, God help me, going on 17 years now. Um, oh, my goodness. My, my co-founders, anywhere from 19 years to about 11 years to about seven years. So over sort of 50 years experience um, in our co-founding team at Automat working in this space. So we built some of the world's first over-the-phone speech recognition. That's that stuff that you all hate and press zero on. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you wouldn't have your Google Homes and your Amazon Alexas and, and other uh, products like that were it not for that early formative work. That's really where most of this stuff came from. And, uh, and we built the first mobile voice assistant. This is sort of a Siri for companies um, that was, you know, deployed at... Wells Fargo and Bank of America and Geico and Domino's Pizza in the States, right? So, you know, sort of mm-hmm. a theory where you could order a <clears throat> uh, pizza over your mobile phone, right? Jimmy Fallon made fun of us on the Tonight Show said, oh my God, I can finally order pizza with my voice on my phone. <laughs> but, um, but it was through an AI assistant. You know? And so uh, we did all that stuff. Uh, we did this at some of the leading companies in this space um, at the time, um, Nuance Communications, which powered Siri and Tell Me, which was acquired by Microsoft, and uh, parts of that made its way into uh, Cortana and others. And then we decided to found Automat a couple of years ago because we saw uh, sort of dual confluence uh, macro trends happening around a move towards messaging. So we sort of lost our religion a little bit around speech recognition and talking to things because we just noticed that people really didn't want to talk to their devices. They seemed to want to type to their devices. Um, okay. you know, that, that's sort of the, everyone kind of, well, one thing we could potentially talk about today is the, the, the false narrative that everything is moving towards voice. I mean, there's 20 million Google homes and Amazon Alexas on the planet, right? There's 2 billion mm-hmm. people messaging probably right now, right? On a daily basis, over 2 billion people messaging. So if you talk about the, the lingua franca of talking, you know, to people or to AI and the internet, it's happening through messaging, it's not happening through voice. Um, okay. And so we saw that that happening. And then, of course, there's sort of the rise of practical applied AI, right? I mean, some of the things that we do today, we quite frankly could not have done, you know, three or four years ago with the size of team that we had. So, you know, the rise of deep learning, reinforcement learning in particular, and the fact that it's kind of a clean slate for breakthroughs in that space um, allowed us to take those two things, messaging, um, you know, AI breakthroughs and our ability to make those own breakthroughs. Um, and then we started Automat to really focus on on that area, what we call conversational marketing for brands. We really apply the technology that we're building towards um, brand marketing, uh, brands having conversations with their their customers. And is is that all through messaging? It's actually all through messaging. Yeah. So we um, 
we, I think there will be a time where we have integrated voice experiences, but, um, you know, when we talk to companies, when we talk to brands, their, uh, interest is, they certainly have an interest in doing things on say an Alexa. Um, but they also understand that that's mostly kind of innovation brownie points and not real business benefit. Right. Um, you know, if you're in Canada, for example, like we're in Canada right now, we're in Montreal, you guys are in Regina. I mean, it's like Amazon Alexa just launched a little while ago. Right. I mean, I had bought one in the States and it was hobbled, right. Every time I would ask the weather, it could be the weather in Seattle. I couldn't make it tell me the weather in Montreal. <laughs> and so, um, you know, so if, if you just look at those markets and it's, it's the market is not big enough to really drive significant benefit. It's also really unclear that whether Alexa is going to drive all the benefit to Amazon, right? I mean, Amazon has not typically been a particularly generous partner as relates to, yeah. you know, allowing others to extract value. So the sort of common, you know, story right now is Scott Galloway, of, you know, L2 fame who wrote, you know, the four is sort of talked about if you ask Alexa for batteries, it, it will only give you Amazon's house battery, right? Yeah. So it's not clear to me that this is a great play for a brand anyway. I think it's got some cool hype factor and you'll get a, a few articles written about it if you launch something, but it's not clear that you'll drive a ton of business benefit. Whereas if you're in messaging, I mean, who isn't messaging on a daily basis? I mean, virtually everybody has got Facebook Messenger installed. If you don't have Facebook Messenger installed, you definitely have some kind of messaging client installed. And many of those are opening up to allowing, um, you know, folks like us to build uh, experiences on top of them. So messaging is just a bigger market. And the reality is, you know, I'm not going to be messaging. I'm not going to be talking to my phone via speech recognition uh, at work. I'm not going to be doing it in the grocery store. I'm not going to be doing it on an airplane, right? Like the vast majority, I'm not going to be yeah. doing it oftentimes even at home, right? Because uh, nobody wants to hear me talking about shopping for, you know, makeup or whatever from L'Oreal. You know, like these voice activated speakers and Alexa conversations are pretty short lived. Whereas conversations where you're actually potentially looking at products and, wanting to know about them. These can be long conversations and nobody wants to hear that if you've got, you know, a spouse at home or whatever, that kind of thing. So yeah. I think it's, uh, uh, the private nature of messaging is, is still, you know, a reason that messaging is so popular. That's a good point because I use my Google assistant, but I probably only use it when I'm driving or, you know, alone in the car. And it still yeah. even then feels a little bit awkward talking to my phone. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm very what, bullish on private spaces. I mean, I think private spaces, voice makes sense, but any public space is, is generally messaging is going to be better. So what is conversational marketing then? So conversational marketing is sort of taking the ability to understand a conversation in a messaging channel. Uh, so taking that raw technological capability and applying it um, to brand marketing, right? And so the way that we think about it is, uh, what's really interesting, what we sort of discovered about conversational marketing is, let me, let me sort of go back to the beginning on it, which is the last 10, 15 years of digital marketing has really been about digitally monitoring people, right? Which is to say, we've used pixels and cookies to track where you go on the web. We've used, uh, we've looked at your sort of search history and, you know, last 11 or so years, it's been, your social history, right? Social networks, mm -hmm. which is who do you like, who you're friends with, what do you watch, read, view, more recently, what are your political affiliations, that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. um, all of these big companies would have you believe that they have perfect understanding of who you are. And that's what causes brands to go spend money 
on Facebook and Google and others to advertise, right? Like I can perfectly target you. And like, the thing is we all know in our daily life that that's actually not true. Think about the ads you see on the web or the ads that you see on Facebook a lot of the times, right? How often do you go, man, I just bought that thing yesterday. Or like <laughs> I did that search like two weeks ago and that thing's still following me around the web and that's not even the thing I care about, right? Like that happens to all of us. And so we get these blind spots sometimes around what the, the, the narrative around a company is and its capability and then what we actually experience, right? And I think the reality is, is this idea of monitoring people to guess who they are so that we can then send them ads or send them spam email or, um, you know, guide them to video. I think video, and, and I say those intentionally, by the way, the, the, the vast majority of marketing dollars in North America are spent on uh, search uh, display ads, email, and video, right? That's mm -hmm. the bulk of the digital marketing spend right now. Those are all extremely, they're, they're all one way. They're basically just, they can send you a message, but they can't take anything in, right? And so the very first thing conversational marketing is, is, um, is it's a bi-directional interaction with a brand. So if I see something, I can ask a question about it. If I see something, I can provide an opinion about it. If I see something, I can say, I don't really want to see that. I want to see this. And the other thing you can do is you can learn about your consumers in a very transparent uh, uh, way, right? So instead of trying to guess who they are, I can ask them who they are. And if they want to tell me, they can tell me. If they don't want to tell me, they don't have to tell me. And uh, to make that concrete, you know, we do a lot of work in the beauty industry. And the reason that we work in the beauty industry is conversational marketing is really good at providing expertise, advice, guidance, recommendation, consultation, sort of word salad there, but they're all meaningful words. And when you look at the beauty industry, that's a, that's an area that actually really benefits from expertise and guidance and uh, those kinds of things to guide you towards the right products and recommend the right products. And that's actually a big part of um, how they think about marketing, which is how do I get you to the product that's going to work best for you? And so um, we have conversations with people. We learn about their needs and who they are. And then based on that, we guide them towards the products um, that matter for them. And then the okay. second thing we do there is we open up a bi-directional conversation channel. So unlike most of those other uh, marketing uh, types where, you know, if I close the web browser, it's kind of gone. Um, in this case, I've, everybody has push notifications turned on and messaging. So I can send you a push notification. And as long as that push notification is relevant and contextual, you know, timely, um, and useful to you, then, you know, it's not going to be spam. It's going to be something that's actually, um, that you want to get. And so we really focus on, on that because this channel will get, um, killed very, very quickly if it turns into a spam channel. So, yeah. So the important thing with conversational marketing and the thing that will make it so much better than these one directional, um, types of marketing interactions and, and specifically so much better than email is if it can actually deliver you relevant, contextual, important stuff for you at the time that you need it, right? And so that's really where we focus. And I think that that's easy to say and like harder to deliver, right? And so the trick to how you deliver it is the problem with email is email doesn't really know anything about you that isn't already in your CRM. And it's because it's one directional, right? We've all gotten those emails that say do not reply in the header when you get them from nothing gives you the warm and fuzzies about a company you're interacting <laughs> with, like, do not reply, right? And so, um, 
the whole thing with, you know, and I, I don't know if I've used the word chatbot, but a lot of people will just call this experience a chatbot, right? I think that's an, an okay term. I think it's too broad. Um, but uh, it's hard to say conversational marketing all the time. And well, so, um, yeah, go ahead. No, I wanted to ask you about chatbot, but first, that sort of idea... Um, cause I feel like I've been in these conversations with AI or with a chatbot before and it's not bad because you're not, you're not really selling. You are in a way offering a service, right? Like someone's asking a question and you're responding and maybe it's directing you toward a product, but it's, it's initiated on the consumer side. Um, so first of all, it's important to note that if you're new to this, it has to be initiated from the consumer side. I don't think any of us, no matter how badly we want to build a great business, want to be in a world where brands can just reach out to us without our permission. And so this is very much an opt-in um, type of world, right, where you have to specifically start chatting with the brand or, or with the chatbot um, before it's allowed to send messages to you. And then there's rules around, uh, you know, how many messages and how frequently you can send messages to you. So, yeah, you have to provide a service that someone wants to try, first mm-hmm. of all, right? And I think, you know, qu- answering questions or customer service is kind of an obvious one, but we don't actually think that's the best place to start. We, we, we actually go and look for, you know, what's a, a real consumer need that's being unmet or a cool experience or a fun experience, right? We talk a lot about sort of like how can you inspire people, how can you ed- entertain people, how can you educate people, right? How can you give them... Um, these experiences that they want to come into and that is the beginning for opening the conversation. We call those conversation starters, right? So you start a conversation with someone and then the trick is um, in that initial conversation, what can you learn about them that will allow you to be sort of a good conversationalist in the future, right? So you can, the next time you send them a message as a push notification, you're sending them something they actually care about, right? And like, this isn't just my opinion. We've run uh, specific experiments on this where when we send a generic generic message that is the same for everyone, we get a certain read rate and a certain response rate. And when we personalize it based on earlier things that we've learned from them in the conversation, we get a much higher read rate and response rate. Um, that said, the read rates and response rates we get, even on the low end, vastly outperform what we get on email. I'll, I'll be specific about that. We've, we've seen read rates and response rates as high as in the early 80s, so uh, I send a notification to someone, over 80% of them read it, and then over 40% of those people actually respond to it, um, which is to say they, they actually click into the chatbot and start interacting with it, tapping or typing or whatever they're doing. And, you know, the low end has been, um, you know, anywhere in the region of 20 to 30% read rate and, you know, uh, uh, sorry, 40% read rate and 20 to 30 percent response rate. You know, most people get a 12 to 16 percent read rate on emails and a two to four percent response rate on emails. So if you're just comparing this to email, there's actually a really good business case to start um, just as a way of experimenting because this is absolutely going to cannibalize email marketing um, over time and provide better outcomes than email marketing. That said, I think there's a lot of much more rich things you can do over time, but if you're looking for sort of a concrete business case in the short term, beating email is sort of where you could start. So what is the difference between, or is it the same, a chatbot and uh, like a conversational marketing or artificial intelligence conversations? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. There's a lot of jargon out there. Um, conversational marketing is a way of saying, a chatbot can be anything, right? This is the way I think of about, about bots, right? We have web 
back in the day, the web didn't mean anything, you know, technical. Now it means something. Apps didn't mean anything. Now they mean something. And I think bots kind of don't mean anything to most people. And at some point, they'll mean something. And it's a, it's a useful shorthand for the broad technology, right? But there's no such thing as a web company or an app company. In the same way, I think chatbot or bot is too broad to really describe um, what the solution is. And so we say conversational marketing as a way of clarifying to our customers that, you know, what we do is on the marketing side and specifically conversational marketing for brands because there's enterprise B2B, right? If you're like a sales force and you're selling to another enterprise, that's different than conversational marketing for brands because ultimately we deliver technology to our customers that deliver uh, a B2C experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, so I think it's important. That, that's just a, a way to, I think the technology can largely be the same, but it sort of tells you where, or broadly the same, but it tells you where we're narrowly focused. Um, and then when you start to get into AI, I mean, uh, the, people always ask me, like, how do I tell if my vendor, my supplier, the person who's pitching me is actually an AI company or if they're just riding the hype? And I always ask them, I, I say, ask them how many PhDs they have. <laughs> like 90% of the time, the answer is going to be zero, right? And it's like, send me, send me, you know, like, especially in an agency world, sometimes people ask for sort of, you know, creds and like, send me over the people that are going to work on my project. Like, if you, if you're, if you've got a company and they're talking about AI and they're talking about chatbots and they're saying we're an AI company, just ask them how many PhDs they have, right? And like, what percentage of their engineering pool is based on, have PhDs or higher level degrees. Um, you know, and, and, you know, at our company, it's almost 40% of our engineering team have PhDs. So, um, we're actually building this stuff. And, um, and then this, the part of it is you should just be able to describe what the, what the AI does, right? And we're pretty specific about in conversational marketing what the AI should do. The AI should help marketers do these three things. It should help them figure out who they should talk to. It should figure out for them or help make it easier for them to figure out how they should talk to that specific consumer. And it should help them figure out when they should talk to that specific consumer. And um, specifically what we do is um, we use machine learning to figure out groups of populations, audiences of people that you should talk to. Lots of companies do that. It's you know, just traditional segmentation. Yeah. The, the thing that's different about this is, um, first of all, the amount of dimensions of data that we can learn. Because we learn so much about people in conversations, we're actually very frequently dealing with so many dimensions of the data, so many different pieces of information in the data that it actually becomes not a statistics problem, but a machine learning problem to actually find the right grouping. And then the important part is anybody can give you a segment. The hard part is telling you what is the, what are the attributes of this segment that I should use to talk to them next time, right? Mm-hmm. And so in a beauty context, for example, we might say this is West Coast. These people live on the West Coast. They're teenagers and they're into bold beauty looks, right? They like sort of bold, brash, you know, dark colors, purples, blacks, all that kind of stuff. And you can go, oh, okay. And then a human marketer sees that and says, okay, I have this idea. I want to do a campaign for, uh, you know, goth beach looks, which is supposed to be a joke. It's actually not a joke. It's actually a thing, right? And so, you know, it actually gives the marketer an idea, and they can now go in and start crafting a campaign. Now, the other thing that happens in conversational software, though, is if you ask Siri a question and I ask Siri a question, we're going to get the same answer to the same question. So it's not personalized, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, 
very often um, what you want to do is you, you go, well, I have this idea. I could be like funny and kind of cute or I could be like kind of serious and, and all business. And you're like, I'm not sure which one to try. I'm not sure which one this customer or this group of customers is going to respond to it. We decided that the marketer should be able to try whatever ideas they had. And then the machine should figure out which ones work better, right? And so you might sort of think, well, isn't that just A-B testing? And I would say kind of, but not really, because what we would allow you to do is at every level of a conversation, so you say something, I say something, you say something, I say something. At every level, the bot might be able to say something different. The marketer can give it different versions of what it could say. And then we use, again, a different kind of machine learning called reinforcement learning to uh, figure out what the best path is for that group of consumers to lead to a specific business objective. So let's say sales, right? Mm-hmm. We want to show them a goth beach look and we want them to buy it. Let's try a bunch of different voice tonalities or, you know, like uh, ways of talking and let the machine figure it out. And so that's that's sort of the how. Right? Are, you, are, are you then needing to script the entire potential conversations or is there some learning that helps... I guess, drive that conversation? Yeah, that's super, super important. The answer to that is yes, right? And that's scripting AI. No, scripting is an AI. Our decision trees AI, not really, right? Or at least not the way that people want to think about it. But the important part is, like, no brand is ready to let an AI talk on its behalf, and it shouldn't, right? If you know anything about this space, um, the current, this technology is called generative technology, so it can actually generate and create content. Um, it's it's really good at um, tone. So, for example, one thing people have done is they've fed machine learning systems with all the combined works of Shakespeare, and then they can generate something that sounds a lot like Shakespeare, but actually is mostly gibberish, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, as much as I think that from a technology perspective, we think, oh, is this is this dialogue scripted? It isn't AI. It's, it's not scripted, not because there's no capability to do. Uh, generate dialogue it's because the, the quality of it would not be on brand and so the way we think about AI in conversational marketing is you want to find all the spots where we can remove effort remove friction improve outcomes um, do things that humans are not good at but one thing that I think humans are really good at and this is important like talking to an agency guy like yourself I don't think that creative completely goes away in a world of AI and that's really important like I don't think AI puts marketers out of jobs I think AI creates really super interesting jobs for marketers, right? Instead of like, let me figure out what this email campaign looks like, which is effectively like a flyer delivered digitally. Mm-hmm. It's like, let me figure out what the brand voice is and the persona of this brand is. And let me try lots of different versions and I can collaborate with the machine to figure out which version actually performs the best, right? Those kinds of things. I think that's like a, as a, as a marketer as well, like I find that profoundly exciting to say, this is actually going to crack open the world of brand marketing. And my belief is, by the way, I mean, we talk to all the, you know, partner with the biggest companies out there, Facebooks and Googles and Samsungs and all these guys. And I tell them the same thing all the time. I believe the world of conversational assistance in the future is going to be owned by brands, not owned by the series, the Googles, the Alexas of the world. And that seems like a crazy position to hold. You're like, how can a brand ever think to build a conversational assistant. And my answer is, you know, we work with L'Oreal um, and, and a bunch of other really large beauty brands like Facebook and Google and Samsung and others are never going to know as much about beauty as L'Oreal does. So there's only really two possibilities. Either 
the L'Oreal's of the world will build the beauty AI or it won't get built. Yeah. It's not that one of these other companies is going to come along and build it. And that's really what we're trying to do is this is very early days of empowering brands who know the most about their product and customers to build these conversational experiences that allow them to get to know their customers in a really intimate kind of way, the same way you do with, you know, with people over messaging and all that kind of stuff. So it'll um, be interesting to see. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see. Cause I think you're right. I think uh, even as humans, we're, we're more inclined to want to go to an expert rather than go to the same person all the time for all our information and brands. There feels like there's a, feels like there's a good space there for brands to sort of be that uh, overall expert or at least offer their their opinion on on what you could or could not do so how do you um how, do, how are brands using it how's l'oreal using it um first of all i have to go back to that i'm stealing that last point it's <laughs> <laughs> a really good point because people say all the time to me they're like well i don't want to have a hundred assistants and you actually just gave me the answer to that yeah which is well, I don't want to just have one friend either. Yeah, like, exactly. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. And so I think I think that idea, I think the right answer to that is, is the monkey sphere answer, right? Which is people are not able to really deal with more than about 150 friends. It's sort of like the tribal size of, you know, eight colonies. And it's like catered the same thing for human beings. Like, I know some people call it the monkey sphere. I think I want a monkey sphere sized group of Digital assistants especially if they have different personalities, like you're talking about the importance of tone. Well, that's going to reflect on, you know, um, Siri's only going to speak to you one way, but, you know, I might, I might, I might be in a different mood. So how are brands using this now? Sure. So there's a few things. So I mentioned L'Oreal. Um, L'Oreal is a really, you know, super innovative uh, company. You know, it's grown their digital capacity a ton in just a very short number of years. Um, and they saw, they were really early proponents of this space. They saw the potential here. And they very early saw that it wasn't just about this hype channel and chatbots and all this stuff. They said, this is a channel where we can learn about our customers and we can learn about our customers in a really authentic way, right? Instead of having to, and the, the, the example that Lubo Mira Roche, who's their global chief digital officer, gave us very early on. She said, listen, if I walk into a store and that sales associate knows everything about me, they know what car I drive, they know how many kids I have, they know where I live, they know how much money I make, like, that's a super creepy experience. <laughs> she said, but if I walk in and that person asks me those questions and is skillful in engaging me in a conversation and can learn those things and then uses those things to get me to the right product, and then the next time I come in, they remember those things about me, that's a delightful experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's just a really nice way of framing the potential of conversational marketing versus the sort of traditional digital monitoring-based marketing. And so they got that. And and so uh, they've done a few things with us, and we continue to do things, which is the very first thing we did um, uh, was this thing we called Beauty Gifter. And it was... It, it had the, the insight there was beauty gifts are really hard to buy. Beauty and skincare gifts are hard to buy, right? Even if you're a woman buying for another woman, um, hard gift to buy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, uh, the insight we had is, uh, let's build a service where over messaging, we can use the natural viral capabilities of messaging. And if I was, say, buying for the mothers in my life, I could actually send them this sort of survey thing saying, hey, I want to buy you, uh, you know, a gift. I would love to know more about what you'd like. And it kind of spoils the surprise a little bit about it 
mm-hmm. you know, you know, you're they're sort of thinking about buying a beauty or skincare gift. But there was, you know, a dozen brands that participated. There was makeup. There was skincare. It was kind of like it, it gave the rough vicinity, and we found that a lot of people didn't really care about that light surprise spoiling. Then what we were found out, and this was sort of the beginning of our, our real, really learning how much you could learn about people, is the survey is like pretty long. So you have this kind of, it doesn't look like a survey, but it's effectively a survey, right? So you're sort of walking the user through, you know, uh, what their beauty and skincare preferences are, what skincare concerns they have, you know, what looks they like to wear by day, what looks like they would like to wear by night, if there's any products they really like, any products they really don't like. And ultimately, um, and even gives them the ability to kind of say, here's some products that I actually really love. And then what it does is it comes back to me as the gift giver, and it says, here's a bunch of products that this person would really love. And so it gives me a high degree of confidence um, in buying that, and then I can actually buy the product right there inside of Facebook Messenger, this particular uh, bot was built on that channel. And so you think about that, and you go, like, the only way for me to get high confidence or even a reasonable confidence in terms of buying a beauty and skincare gift is if I walk into a retail location, tell that person a little bit about the person I'm buying for, and then they kind of guess and go, well, this might be good. Like, this is actually a way better version of that. Um, and it was all done over messaging, right? And so um, some of the things we discovered there is we got ridiculously high numbers of completion of that gift recipient questionnaire. Yeah. Like, they just—we were really worried because it's pretty long. We were really worried that people were going to, oh my God, they're going to like nobody's going to finish this. And it turned you say out long, like, like really how long? Percent. How long would it take me to finish that? I mean, probably two, three, four minutes. Oh wow! Right, okay. depending yeah. on how sort of quick you are. Like it's—it's—I it's, I should know this offhand, but it—but it, it's definitely like a dozen questions at least mm-hmm. that it asks you, right? And the reason it's so long is as we were building it out and we were testing it, women kept telling us, "Well, I don't feel like I've told you enough." For you to actually make sure I get a great gift, right? And so they were happy to answer more questions. And so um, what we've continuously kind of discovered is that engagement rates are ridiculously high. Once you get somebody into these experiences, they actually really like them. And when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense, right? It's kind of a fun little time waster. It gives you the kind of dopamine rush of chatting with someone, even though you know that it's not really chatting with someone. And, you know, as long as you're not doing something more important, it's kind of a nice experience. But it's super it's, useful. It's kind so. of, well, in this in this case, yeah, I mean, it, it does help you, you know, find a product that you couldn't otherwise find. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, it's a very specific example. But you'll, what you see in general is patterns like anywhere I would get advice or guidance, anywhere I would get recommendation. Um, you know, so, uh, anywhere that I might need to do like a light diagnostic, right? So like in beauty, a lot of people don't know this, but if you walk into any, uh, you know, in Canada, Shoppers Drug Mart in the U.S., CVS, Walgreens, whatever, um, if you walk into any of those stores, there's only two skilled employees. There's a pharmacist and there's a beauty and skincare expert, right? And so, and, and there's a bunch of reasons behind that, but any of those reasons that you might go talk to a beauty or skincare expert, hey, I've got this skin concern, I'm looking for the right product, right? Winter time, I'm dry, I'm looking for something, but I don't want it to be oily, what product is right for me? You almost have to talk to a person to get that information. Yeah. And what we're offering is the ability to not necessarily have to talk to a person and be able to do that as a digital experience. So there's a lot of pretty broad um, things that can happen there. It can either be 
diagnostic, right product. It can be inspirational. Here's a product based on what you've told me you might really like and try, and maybe it's a bit of an experiment for you, but it's in the parameters of the beauty products that you use and the looks that you like, right? You've got a special event. You're looking for something in this shade, whatever. Like, there's a, a variations of that theme is really sort of where yeah. we've been playing in terms of beauty. It's fascinating, and and you just see my head's exploding with uh, potential ideas. So, the um, now with the conversational marketing, there's recall there. The next time, maybe not with the gifter, but with um, uh, brand interaction, I come back and uh, it it does recall my details that I've fed it before. Yes, I mean this is a big part of this is that um, it, it it really is about an enhanced. CRM, like you should absolutely think about it in that way. So um, the general pattern is come up with, so if you guys were doing something and you were do, doing something, you know, with a football team you work with or something or a beer brand, right? You'd be thinking, what's the conversation starter? What's the initial service that I can market and advertise that I can put on their website, that I can do Facebook advertising around, that I can put on the Facebook page and get organic traffic from? What are all the different how is this service going to be cool enough and provide enough value to the consumer that they're going to click into it and try it? Mm-hmm. That's the first problem you solve. Then you think to yourself, what am I going to learn in that interaction that's going to feed future interaction? So yeah, you want it to be fun and engaging and interesting, but ideally you're also learning something about that consumer in that initial uh, conversation starter interaction. And then it's not, you had sort of said, and then I come back, does it remember me? The important part there is not, I come back, it's you send something to me. You know something about me. Now help me out, right? Mm-hmm. If it, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm a Rough Riders fan. It's like, tell me when the game's coming up. Hey, you've got new merch that I might be interested in because I told you that I bought merch and, you know, I, winter's coming up, like, show me the new toque, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of stuff. Like, actually sending me something that's potentially relevant to me as opposed to, I'm just going to get all the spam that you sent to everybody. Right. I think we really found is just like that Tuke example. I mean, it's a silly thing. I don't want a bunch of spam around sending me like winter gear. But if I told you that I wear like this, my team's, uh, you know, yeah. clothes and I know that and it says, Hey, check this out. We just got this. This is, this one's new for, you know, 2018. That's like very potentially like that's an experience that quite literally doesn't exist today. Yeah. So just having a brand understand just a little tiny bit about me. And there's something in there, I think, where consumers feel it. They understand that the brand has adopted some kind of technology and gone to some effort to be able to deliver that experience. And so then it's a question of, um, after that initial conversation starter, how do you follow up with them to push notifications that are relevant and, and contextual and meaningful over time? And, you know, you think about that, um, we found very low block rates, like people saying, you know, don't send me any more messages. Like that ability to have an open, persistent, bi-directional communication channel with a customer um, is really, really compelling. I don't well, think it's really even existed before. And you're right. I think even the more specific and accurate it is, the more valuable it is. You mentioned earlier that there were rules around how often you can send. Is Are these rules you're creating or there exists rules right now? So it depends on the platform you're on, but Facebook Messenger, for example, which is kind of in North America going to be the dominant platform that you probably start out on. You're going to see other platforms emerge, and there's another platform called Kick, which mm-hmm. is actually a Canadian company that is actually very team-focused. So if you're looking to address teams, we've actually done work on that platform. It can be quite a good platform for, for reaching that demographic. Over time, you'll see things with Apple and iMessage and, 
and others opening up, um, you know, their chat platforms. But right now, you're mostly going to be on Facebook Messenger. And uh, the rules there are today, you're really only allowed to send a notification to someone 24 hours after they've tried your service. But what you're going to see is that opening up. Right? Okay. You're going to see that opening up so you can see, send messages. But there's going to be rules around that. If you send a message to someone and they don't respond to it, you know, you're not allowed to continuously spam them. Um, so some of the rules are enforced. And then the other part of it is, you know, like we basically have a saying inside of Automat, right, which is like, don't be the new spam, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's the surest way to kill what I think is an amazing opportunity for brands to build relationships with their customers is just to turn it into a spam channel. Yeah. So we're, we really think about how to make sure things are not spammy. Well, let's hope nobody does. Andy, I, I, could, I feel like I could talk to you for another hour. This is so fascinating, and I really appreciate your time now. If, uh, but we're out of time. If people want to lo- know more about uh, yourself and Automat, what's the best way? Well, thanks. This has been super fun. And if only for that one insight around how to answer that one question. Um, uh, it's been a super valuable conversation for me as well. So thank you. Um, if you want to know more about Automat, um, you can find us in the usual places. Our website is www.automat.ai. Um, and our uh, Twitter is at uh, Automat underscore Inc. Um, and those are really the best places to find us right now. Fantastic. Well, I, I'm, I'll look forward to following and, and hearing more about you and exploring this. It's, it's like a, it is a really new territory and very exciting territory. Thanks. Good thought. Let's go build a Rough Riders bot. Yeah, let's do it. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Have a great day. Take it easy. Bye.